Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. It is draft day in the NBA. We're going to spend a lot of time today sorting out what's real, what's not real, walking through it, talking through it, trying to figure out what the Hawks are, what they're going to be, what they're going to do. Also last night, it was the best of the Braves. We'll talk about that. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts... Now, we welcome you in on this Thursday on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery and Locked On Sports Atlanta. We ask you to head over to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser. When you find our page, subscribe to it, leave us a comment. Of course, we are free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms. So download us today, Spotify, Odyssey. When you get there, leave us a five-star review. Tell us what you think about the show and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. All right, it is NBA Draft Day. All right, we got a lot to try to just talk through. And, and this is going to be sort of therapy. We're going to walk through it. We're going to talk through it. We're going to be cutting and strutting, right? Styling and profiling, trailblazing, eyebrow raising. We're going to be going through the whole thing because there is so many tentacles and so much rumor and innuendo going around the Atlanta Hawks right now. All right, so... Let's start with tonight's draft. Hawks pick 16th in the draft. What does my gut tell me about are they going to move up, move down, move back, do this, stay where they are, this, any other? My guess is, is that they will end up staying at 16. Now, they may end up trading the person that they draft later on, but if I had to guess right now, I don't think the Hawks are looking to go up in the draft because with all due respect, why would you give up your known assets when you're not really in, we have to talk about what the Hawks are. The Hawks are not in salary dump mode. The Hawks are not still in rebuild mode. The Hawks are, we've got to get better and get back to competing mode, right? We've got to get part of that is your guys that you have on your roster have to be better, but we have to add in things like that. So I don't think trading up to go get a high draft pick, makes sense for this organization right now, right? You've got, you know, Trey's a top pick. DeAndre Hunter's a top pick. You've got a bunch of mid-tier picks and things like that, right? You got a lot of guys that you draft and you have that sort of figured out. You're kind of at the point where you need to find somebody who's established as a star. Now, picking 16, you can find a good player there. Remember where John Collins and Kevin Herter and some of those guys were picked? Those guys were mid, you know, mid-round first pick. Collins was, what, 19th or something like that? So you can find guys that can come in and produce. And again, we've talked about, look at how the Celtics and the Warriors, look at the pieces that they drafted to help them out. You know, the, the, the loonies in the pool. Okay, those guys were 27 and 30. The Celtics, Marcus Williams, Grant Williams. Okay, those guys were like 20 and 27. You can find guys that are going to help you. May not be stars, but you also do need to fill out your roster and some role players that can contribute off the bench or be a spot starter, whatever. You need some of those guys. So my gut tells me that the Hawks are going to stay where they're at. They may explore some options, but they're going to stay where they're at and they're going to draft 16. Now, the next thing. 
we heard last night reports, and I, I'm just going to be curious. Like, I, I'm jaded because of the Deshaun Watson situation. I so quick background. I remember the day Deshaun Watson announced that he was headed to Cleveland. Okay, I was doing a live remote at Hooters and Acres Mill. And I was with another host on the radio station and we had our producer out there and we were all getting texts and messages and different things coming to us from people that we like and trust and this, any other that were like, well, you know, I'm hearing Deshaun's going to Atlanta. He signed the deal, this, any other, blah, 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 right? All of these things that were all but guaranteeing us that Deshaun Watson was going to Atlanta. What ended up happening? He did. He, he took the $230 million from Cleveland and, and that was it. Now I'm not going to get into the Sean Watson situation as far as what I think really happened there, but everybody was wrong. I mean, if we're being honest, everybody was wrong. That's how I feel like everybody is right now with the Atlanta Hawks and all of these rumors. I'm not telling you that the Hawks aren't going to be in the mix for a guy or whatever like that, but the names that I'm hearing, the, 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 the names you hear, for instance, we know the Hawks need defense, right? Hawks are a bad defensive team. Okay, but where were they bad defensively? Well, they gave up the sixth highest three-point field goal percentage in the entire of the NBA. They're an awful wing defender team. They're they're a better just overall two-point field goal percentage team than they are three-point percentage, and their inside defense hasn't killed them. So if they're not terrible inside defensively, you have a premier rebounder in Clint Capella who, what, a couple of years ago, led the league in rebounding. Okay, so if I have all of that, and I have a Kongu, who was another good rim protector, then why am I so focused on hearing about a, a big guy or a center? Why? So I have to give up assets, pay more money to not fix something? I, I, I'm, I'm confused about all of this. I'm, I'm, that's why I want to hear Aiton and Gobert our problem is not our interior defense. Our problem is our wing defense. Our problem is our perimeter defense. We don't play well enough around the perimeter. And what's the NBA game today? You know, if this were 1978, I could understand going and getting a legitimate center because I got to match up with Kareem and Bob Lanier and guys like that. But that's not what our issue is. So why are we trying to fix something that really isn't our issue? And by the way, since there isn't an Al Cinder or a Bob Lanier or an Artis Gilmore, those centers we're talking about are 15-point-a-game guys, 15, 17-point-a-game guys. Okay, so I bring in Aiton. He's 17 and 10. That's three points and two less rebounds than Clint Capella. I bring in Gobert. He's 15 and 15. Okay, that's a point and three, and, and three rebounds more than Clint Capella. That's going to change up the direction of my franchise? That's what I don't understand about all of this. And I understand the point of the Hawks being mentioned in every trade possible because we've heard what Schlank and we've heard what Tony Ressler said. But did we listen to what they said or did we hear what they said? Because it seems like we're hearing a lot of things. So when I hear Aiton and Gobert, okay, I don't get excited about that. I'm going to give up assets. Aiton wants a max deal. Gobert's already a $40 million player. So I'm going to pay twice as much for a position that I'm not bad at right now. These things just don't make sense to me. I'm completely confused about it. Now, DeJounte Murray. That was the big rumor last night. 
Oh, the Hawks have had discussions. Okay, help me understand why would the Spurs move on from their best player who's young and cheap? He has two more years at about $17 million a year. Why would I move on? Why would Greg Popovich, unless he's just senile at this point, why would he move on from that guy? Why would he give up that to go get guys that aren't necessarily better or do more? Murray's a guy who led the league in steals, 20-point guy, nine assists, eight rebounds. Look, I would be for bringing in Murray here, but I'm trying to understand the mentality of what the Spurs, because now we're hearing that, well, yes, they want to trade him, but they want a Drew like holiday type of deal. Cool. So how many assets am I going to have to give up for him? Because John Collins makes more money than what Murray does. You can sort of balance that out with all of it. So you've got that, but what else are they going to want? What kind of package are we talking about? And that's the thing that's confusing about all of this is trying to sort out what, why, when, and such. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk more about this because there's more names, more philosophy, more thought. Let's walk through it. Let's continue to try to figure this thing out and see what direction the Hawks are going to go. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Back with you on Hitting Hard on Locked on Sports Atlanta. I am John Chuckery here asking you to head over to YouTube.com. Subscribe to our channel there. Leave us a comment. We are free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Download it. Leave us a five-star review and follow me on my Twitter page at JMSH316. So we're continuing to talk about the Atlanta Hawks and what's going to go on. We're talking about the Jonte Murray. And look, I'm, I'm all for bringing in Murray. I think he's a terrific young player and you could put Trey off the ball and let Murray handle the ball and all of a sudden. Yeah, but again, why would the Spurs give up their best player who's young and cheap to go for John Collins or whatever? And what kind of package are we talking about? I'm for, again, bringing a guy like that in if it makes sense and I'm not giving up the farm just to bring him in. Now, by the way, okay, even though I understand that he led the league in steals, um, I'm going to give you three defensive ratings of players in the NBA, and you tell me which one is Murray. 111.4, 108.5, 117. Which one of those do you think is Murray? Uh, If you said 108.5, you'd be correct. So he's the lowest of those three I just gave you. One guy's Trey Young at 117. The other guy's Donovan Mitchell at 111.4. So defensive rating, wow's. For everybody to, oh, you can't have Mitchell on the floor. Well, Mitchell grades out as a higher defensive rated player than even what Murray does. So you can have Murray, you can have Mitchell out there. Now, let's talk about Donovan Mitchell. That's a guy that I'm very intrigued by because I know he's a big-time scoring threat, big-time scoring machine. Is he undersized? Yeah, fine. But again, I can when we're talking about Murray and, and um, um, Mitchell and guys like that, you can find – if you're a good coach and you got star players – you find a way to get those guys on the court and play with one another. Well, we need defense. Go get some role players to play defense. Go find some guys that can fill a specific role. Go find me a backup point guard who's a defensive-minded guy. Go find me that. That's what you get. Last I looked, the general manager for the Hawks and the president of basketball operations, they making fish heads and rice. They're, they're getting paid pretty well, aren't they? How many millions are you getting paid? Well, how many millions do you think they're getting paid? Go find those guys. That's your job is to go find guys that fit specific roles and things like that. And if you don't, you know what happens in the world of sports when you don't 
put together the right group of guys and figure it out, they fire you. They fire you. you they move on to the next guy, right? So anyway, I, I'd be all for Murray, but I, I want to see what kind of package we're talking about, you know, here. Now, Bradley Beal. I know it's the next name. Everybody's gonna be, well, you know, Bradley Beal opted out. I've heard people say, oh, you know, he's not coming back to Washington. What's that based upon? Bradley Beal has not said he's not coming back to Washington. Bradley Beal, if he gets his $248 million five-year extension, he's going to sign with the Wizards. It's like everybody. You know, you, you opt out of your contract and you wait for your big deal to come from your team. Remember all that talk about, oh, Giannis is leaving Milwaukee. Whew. You know, he's he's going to leave. He's going to head to the Lakers and he's going to go there. Well, what did Giannis end up doing? He signed the five-year Supermax. Why? And even and even um, Giannis got less money in the Supermax than what was expected. But he still got $228 million. These guys in the NBA aren't giving up 50, 60 million guaranteed dollars worth of money. Why would they do that? Would you do that? Would you give up 50 or 60 million for pride? Give me a break to go to what? A mid-tier organization? No, you take the money and you tell them to build around. I mean, the idea of some of these things is, is what is what boggles my mind. I'm all for being bold. I want to be bold. I don't want to paint with pastel colors, but I also don't want to be bold just for the sake of being bold. And I ruin my team. You know, I give away all of my assets. You know, one of the deals hearing is the Sacramento Queens. Oh, well, draft picks and Harrison. Bar Who wants Harrison Barnes? What the hell do I want Harrison Barnes for? I'd rather have Matt Barnes and get his former ex-wife, Gloria Govan, and have her at State Farm Arena every night. I'd rather have her to look at than I'd rather have Harrison Barnes on the court. What do I want those deals for? Are we trying to get better? When I hear these deals from people, what's the end goal? You ain't going to get better with Harrison Barnes, for God's sakes. But they're talking, oh, Capella, and we can move Collins or this. or for, What? To quote my friend Hugh Douglas, what? There's so many of these deals that don't make sense for the Hawks. Well, you want to just run it back? I'd rather run it back than make a bad deal. As Travis Link clearly pointed out in that article that we read with Jeff Schultz of The Athletic from a week or so ago, you draft a guy, you can figure out things in a couple of years and live with it and then go on. You give a guy five or four for 150 or whatever, you're stuck. Ask me how much money of an NBA contract is guaranteed. Chuck, how much money of an NBA contract is guaranteed? All of it. All of it. And when you make bad financial decisions, you get stuck. And then what are you going to do? Then, then how are you going to move around and try to figure out how to get your team better and this, that, and the other? So I'm all for let's go make a big move and let's go get a star. I'm all for it. You know, there are, but the reality is, is that there's a, a very small, finite group of those players that are that, that are at that level. Yeah, Bradley Beal is a star. I will gladly take Bradley Beal, but you have to help me understand when you say, oh, yeah, we'll go get Bradley Beal. Okay, 
you can't offer Bradley Beal as much as what Washington is. And Washington has been very clear and direct. They want Beal. They want to build around him. Oh, but he opted out. So they all opt out. LeBron opts out. Kevin Durant opts out. They all opt out. James Harden, part of the trade for James Harden was he had to agree to opt in this year. That was part of the deal with Philadelphia and Brooklyn is Harden had to agree to opt in so that the Sixers didn't watch him just walk away or something. And that's why he's talking about signing a short-term extension. He'll opt in and sign a short-term extension, and then he'll be there for a couple of years, and he'll move on. He'll opt out again. They all opt out. That's the least worrisome thing in the NBA is he opted out. And then they end up staying where they're at. So I love the idea of going to get a star. And I think there are, I think there are a few names. Look, if Bradley Beal is really available, go make a run at him. If Donovan Mitchell is available, go make a run at him. If DeJounte Murray is available, go make a run at him. But you better tell me it's going to make sense. And that, you know, if I have to give up, and I'm just pie in the sky, okay? If I have to give up John Collins and DeAndre Hunter for DeJounte Murray and whatever other vagabond makes the salaries work out, and that's another thing too, you can't just trade guys for the sake of trading guys. You know, in the NBA, you got to make the money work out, right? There has to be a reason. You can't trade a $25 million player for a couple of first-round draft picks. That's not how it works. You can't trade a $25 million player for a vagabond. The money has to work itself out. So if if I'm giving up, let's say, I got to give up Collins and DeAndre Hunter for DeJounte Murray, how much better am I? I haven't gotten better on my wing defense. I don't have one of my post players. I don't have any really offensive inside presence. I've got my centers. My backcourt's a lot better, but am I really better as a team? Maybe, maybe you are, but that's a lot to give up. I might give up one of those guys, but I don't want to give up both. But you hear these deals and you start thinking to yourself, you know, if they pull this deal off, either my general manager is the dumbest guy on earth or somebody hit him in the back of the head with a sledgehammer. Because that's all I can figure out. It's got to be one or the other. If I'm going to give up the farm, make it make sense. There has to be something that is a deal to make both franchises better, whatever that is. But the pool of people that are really going to be available again is small. It isn't a lot of guys that are going to be real difference makers to a new team in the NBA. There aren't a long list of those guys available in the league to make a move and go get. All right, when we come back, last night was the best of the Atlanta Braves, and I'll explain why. It is hitting hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Reminding you, head over to YouTube.com, put Locked on Sports Atlanta into your browser search bar and find our page, subscribe to it, leave us a comment there. Free and available, as always, on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Five-star review us, if you would, please, and then follow me on my Twitter page, at JMCH316. Last night was a terrific win for the Atlanta Braves, four to three as they were, you know, it was a little bit frustrating because when you got to the ninth inning, they, the Braves got themselves down three to one and AJ Minter, who's been outstanding, came in and gave up an insurance run. You thought, all right, crap, three to one, bottom of the ninth, the, the bats had really been quiet. 
you know, they it, it they were, I think, through five innings before they got their first hit last night and only had three hits going into that ninth inning. They hadn't done anything. Hadn't hit the ball real well, struck out a whole bunch in this, that, and the other. But you saw last night what the best of the Braves are. This is why they won the World Series. This is why they're a contender. This is the best of the Braves. So start with Dansby's at bat. Dansby working the count, getting himself, and finally gets a pitch that's grooved to him, and he hits it out of the ballpark. So we know about the Braves' power, right? We know that they're a team that hits plenty of home runs and they can slug the ball with anybody. You know, they slugged it out with the Giants. The other night came up a little bit short in a 12-10 game, but that's one of the best things about the Braves. But then, you know, Marcelo Zuna comes up and he hits a Funko shot opposite field. Okay, a couple of years ago, when the Braves were rolling and Ozuna was rolling, that's how he was doing it is it wasn't just stand up there, and we talked about Ozuna the other day, stand up there, whack it, and you know hit a big solo home run or something like that. No, it's hit the ball the other way and get on base and let's make some things happen, right? So he hits a Funko shot for a single out there. And then Olsen comes up behind him and hits a deep ball to center field. And this is what I love about the Braves, and I wish they would do more of this. They... So it's a deep ball to center field. The center fielder sort of nonchalance plays. It was kind of a can of corn. I mean, it was hit well, but it was sort of a can of corn. He's sort of nonchalance, catching it and throwing it back in. Ozuna tags up and goes to second. And so now you got a man on second with one out, and he's the tying run at the play, or he's the tying run on base. And that play really kind of signified what the Braves can and should be being aggressive. What did it lead to? William Contreras comes up and he hits a single out the left. That allows Ozuna to score. Now we got a tie game. So then Contreras, while he's standing on first base, as they're working the pitch and all that, he steals second. Okay. Now I got my guy, even though I've got two outs, my guy's in scoring position now with two outs. If I can get a base hit, he can probably, you know, he's because he's he's going to run on contract. Contreras isn't fast, but he found a way to steal a base, and he's going to run on contact. And so what happens? Duvall single up the middle. As soon as it hits the bat, Contreras is off. He comes around, beats the throw, Braves win. And it was all set up because of how aggressive they were on the base pass. And it does amaze me that in today's baseball world that – more teams don't steal more bases, aren't aggressive. Well, that's not what the metrics say. Well, what about the first 150 years of baseball? You know, I've been around for a third of that, and I can remember when stealing bases, key base hits, moving runners along was how you won in Major League Baseball. In fact, a lot of teams won championships doing that. Remember those St. Louis Cardinal teams and people like that? You know, you can have guys that, you know, they had Jack Clark or Pedro Guerrero in the middle of their lineup to hit the ball out of the ballpark, but they also just bumped and beeped and booped and bopped and blipped your way around. Base hit here, steal here. Vince Coleman would Vince Coleman would hit a two-hopper in the infield, beat it out for a hit, and then steal two bases and stand at third base. And everybody's like, what's going on here? All right? You can win like that. And that's the thing that I always talk about with the Braves is doing more of. Their top guys are aggressive. Ozzie, Ronnie, Dansby, those guys are aggressive. But even last night, I always joke about this with Marcelo Zuna. Marcelo Zuna isn't necessarily fast, 
but he's aggressive on the base paths. And once he gets it chugging and churning, chugging, chunka, 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 and he gets it going, he can move a little bit. He can move once he gets going. You know, it may take a minute or two. It's like starting up a Buick on a cold morning, right? You got to get get that thing cranked up and going. But once he gets going, he can move a little bit. And he's aggressive. You know, he puts his head down and let's go. I love that about the Braves. I love when they play that aggressive style. Uh, you know, Contreras stealing a base. That's that's winning baseball. And that's the, those, you, you laugh about those little things. But there was a lot of those things that were missing for the Braves in the early part of the year. Being, you know, using their identity to be aggressive. A key base hit, a clutch base hit. What do I always say about Ronnie? Put pressure on the other team's pitcher and defense. There is no substitute for that in in baseball. When you watch the playoffs and you watch playoff baseball, when you get got, you don't have nearly as many runners on base in playoff baseball games, right? Because you're seeing all of the best starters, right? You're not getting a lot of fifth starters. You know, nowadays in baseball, I don't know what they do, whatever like that. But, you know, by and large, your top tier pitchers are pitching most nights. And while many teams don't have a lot of top tier pitchers, but you're guaranteed they're not going to sit a guy out of a series or you're not going to get lucky and miss a guy in a seven-game series. You're going to face whatever, Scherzer, DeGrom, Kershaw, whatever the name is on the back of the jersey. So you don't. So base runners are at a premium. And when you get base runners on and you can be aggressive, now you force the defense to make a play. Now you force a pitcher to come out of the stretch. Now you force a catcher to have to make a throw. Now you force an outfielder to have to make an accurate throw. And that's winning baseball. And that last night, watching that, you know, was, I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm on air last night on the radio show, but also kind of watching and things like that. Watching how they did that last night was textbook. Textbook way to come out. Isn't it funny that when your back's against the wall and you have to do it a little different way, when you can't just sit back and wait to whack it out of the ballpark, that you find a way to get it done? You, 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 you tag up, you steal a base, you, you barrel around third base on a single and make the team make a throw, right? You know, Contreras, not a fast guy, but like we said, he's breaking on contact up the middle of the center field. Make him make a throw. Make him make a throw. And what the Giants weren't doing and didn't do and what the Braves were doing was the difference in that ninth inning last night. And so that's what I want to see out of the Braves. That that the clutch, the aggressiveness, you know, they can do that. They have guys and they have the ability to do that. And I think sometimes they just, you know, sometimes you don't let that stallion just sort of run free. And I know all of you sabermetric, uh, analytical, metrosexual people that love all the, you know, the bips and the bops and the baps and the bleeps and the wars and the battles and the, you know, all this kind of stuff and all the metric things like that. I get it. Those things don't say. But here's what I know better than a lot of y'all. I know what winning baseball is. I, I've seen a lot of winning baseball in my life. And last night was textbook as to why the Braves won that game. And I hope that they do more of, and I hope we see more of that moving forward.
All right, we thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuckery uh, your first listen. Reminding you, make your second listen every day, A to Z with Mark Zinno. Mark is back doing his takes uh, here in Atlanta. Things you may not like to hear, but you know you've got to listen to them. So check out Mark. He is free and available on our YouTube page, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms. Download it today and be part of our community. Leave us a five-star review. Follow me on my personal Twitter page. That would be at jmch316 we will wrap up the week tomorrow we'll take a look at what the hawks draft tonight this has been hitting hard with john chuckry on locked on sports atlanta